about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. Hello and welcome to this week's program. It's called All In. I hope you're feeling all in. I hope you feel like you are a winning on a winning team. And maybe you're not today. Maybe you feel a little down. Maybe you feel a little sad. Maybe things didn't quite go the way you thought they should go. And uh, maybe that's in your personal life. Maybe it's what's, what's happening politically. Maybe it's just something you aren't clear about, sure about, or maybe you feel like you've been let down. Well, I'm here to reassure you today, number one, that God is still God, that God has a plan, and God's plan for your life, for your home, for your children, for this country is all on course. He's a smart one. He's God, and Jesus is Lord. So, let's start out here with Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14. <clears throat> For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Well, obviously, he's talking to us there, and it's talking about God rescuing us. You, if you were rescued, you were rescued from something. You were rescued from darkness. <clears throat> For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And some Christians are still living like they're under the dominion of darkness. When you see the craziness that's going on in the world and you can't put words to it, you can't even justify it in your mind. You say, why would somebody think like that? Or why would they do that or act like that? Or how could there not, how could there be people that are so revengeful that they'll just kill other people or hurt other people? Well, that's called being under the dominion of darkness. And obviously, we've seen that here in this country in this year. A lot of people don't know how to even react to it and are reacting wrong. They're under the dominion of darkness. But it says here in Colossians, For he, who's he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Okay, there's that kingdom again. So we are brought from darkness, out of dominion of darkness, into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. So God loves Jesus, and we are brought out of the darkness into Jesus' kingdom, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So if you're someone out there that's been thinking that you don't feel forgiven, you can stop feeling that way because you are forgiven. Now, you may not have fully accepted that forgiveness and you might be holding it against yourself. You might be condemning yourself, but God isn't the one doing the condemning. 
Uh, you say, well, Art, I have a conscience, and my conscience tells me when I'm wrong, but sometimes I don't want to listen to it. Well, that's normal for most people. However, if you know it's wrong, you could at least confess it as wrong, even if you did it, even if you did it again. Confess it as wrong. When you confess something is wrong, you actually agree with God because he said it's wrong. And when you agree with God, you're on his side, not on the side where you're hiding and darkness can get a hold of you because Satan knows when you're hiding from God. I like to run to him, always have, and say, Lord, I'm messing up or I can't do this without you. I need your help. And even if I fail, I failed by running to him, not by running away and hiding from him. So that's number one. Uh, here in John 14, verse 12 through 20. Verily, verily. Oh boy, we get two verilies in a row. We should be listening. Truly, I truly. This is true. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. They got two of them. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Wow. Pretty powerful. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now wait, now wait. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Has that been your experience with Jesus? Are you asking him for anything, and he will do it? If not, why not? If not, why not? I will tell you why, but I'm going to make you think for a minute. Now, verily, verily, so truly, truly, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to tell you a truth here. If you get this, he, who, whoever, 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 that, first of all, that clears up what religion you are, whoever, Whoever, doesn't matter where you came from, whoever believes in me will do the works. Not some will do. Where does it say some? Let's see. Some, some who believe in me will do the works. No. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Well, we know the works that Jesus was doing was... Pretty powerful. Healing people, speaking the word, most importantly, teaching the word. And they will do even greater things. I can't imagine what's greater than calling somebody back from the grave after three days. But, wow, what about after a year? Oh, haven't thought about that one before. But greater things. I'm not saying this. I'm reading it to you from John, the book of John. So greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do, I'm going to read that very slowly. I will do whatever 
You ask in my name, why? Why will I do that? Anything you ask. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. How is the Father getting glorified in the Son if he's doing whatever you ask? Because that's what God designed him to do. And he's glorified because it reveals the heart of the Father. The Father loves us. And he put Jesus in a position to help us, to heal us, to, to rejuvenate us. And all we have to do is ask in his name. You may ask me for anything, anything in my name, and I will do it. Well, let's get our list going here. I don't know about you, but that that's important to me, that I can ask the Lord for anything. However, there's more. Let's read. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you be with you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So Jesus is releasing the Holy Spirit on us when we ask in his name and, tr and strive to keep his commands. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Boy, that's not the, that's not the truth. I, you look at the world out there, the ones denying God, not even Christ, just God. There, there's people who are denying a divine creator, I, a creator, an intelligent creator. They're, they're de denying that it could exist. It's hard for me to comprehend because we look at the birds, we look at the insects, we look at people, we look at today. The greatest, some of the greatest, um, and no one say inventions of our time, but the greatest revelations of our time by people who not don't necessarily believe in God is what we call AI, artificial intelligence. Well, artificial intelligence, and now we have AI robots that do all sorts of things, some good, some bad, but they do it. And they're getting more sophisticated every day. So, what are they making the AI robot look like? And what is the standard for the AI robot? The human mind. The human being. The robots look like humans. They're trying to make them feel like humans. They're trying to make them act like humans. And someday... They'll try to put a, a identity in them, a soul, which they're doing now, to give them their own identity. Problem is, it's not an eternal soul. It's a soul that turns off if somebody turns the power off. Now, that's a big difference. But the point is that they're still imitating us. Female robots, of course, become more popular than male robots initially. Why? I guess you can imagine why. But the point is, if man didn't exist, 
there be no one to create the artificial intelligence. Artificial. Here we have real intelligence in a man or a woman creating what they call artificial intelligence, duplicating the man or the woman. Now, we were made, according to the Bible, in God's image and his likeness. So we are made just like God, only we're not AI. We're not artificial intelligence. Through the Holy Spirit, we're plugged directly into God himself. We are part of the real, living awesomeness of the divine, intelligent creator. And every human that's born has the gift of being able to access, access, access complete communication with that heavenly Father who made us. That's right. But some choose not to. Some have grown up and believe there is no exist, none in existence that created them. They somehow have created themselves or a billion different things came together and made me, Art, or made you, Tom, John, Frank, Francis, you know? I mean, come on. The idea that you just so happen to show up is so unbelieving. It's so, I, I think it takes more faith to believe that no creator is in charge. It just blew up in a big bang, and here we are. Yet, it has taken years and years and years and thousands and thousands of scientists to create an AI experience. Whew. I guess people in their most infinite wisdom aren't really too smart, are they? When they think they are the center of their universe. So, it says here, God gives us the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And chooses not to, by the way. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me, and I am in you. So, what makes us so unique is that as a human, in us is the existence of the divine creator, God himself. In us is the existence of the communication tool that takes us directly to him called the Holy Spirit. In us is the Son the Son of God, that lived out exactly how God is on earth and paid a price that he could get us back. In the beginning, Adam was totally connected to the Father. And God 
allowed him to have that direct connection, but he would not allow him to eat from another tree and then still have that connection. What was the other tree? The tree of the knowledge of both good and evil. Does that mean God didn't want you to know what evil was? No. But he would have taught us through Adam how to handle evil without evil having dominion over us. But when Adam took the fruit of that other tree and it started to grow within him immediately, it put out the connection with God Almighty himself. And Adam no longer had the answers to everything. I know today that if you want an answer to something, most people that I know, including myself, will Google it. Well, Google, as we know it, is a very imperfect system. Not only does it have the answers for good, but it also has the answers for bad. And now we're finding out that some people who are in control of this Google system are actually coloring the data the way they believe, or the way they believe it should be. They're determining what truth is. They're, say, they're calling it, what do they call it, fact-checking, right? But they're only checking other facts by other people. When God connected Adam to himself, it was a system far superior to Google, and Satan, through Google, has been trying to duplicate it, but he can't. God set up a system where you could have direct access to all the information that he has access to. But in his system, he didn't allow any bad, negative, lying, untruthful things to exist. He cut them out. He blocks it so that only the truth exists, not the lies. Lucifer, on the other hand, the father of lies, has created a system by which all the facts that he, he can get are existing. But now he has his cronies in, involved to actually change the outcome of a search based on what they think the truth is. Well, some of these guys are pretty young from what I understand, and what their wisdom or knowledge of the truth is is pretty slanted, short-sighted. I sure wouldn't want to live my life based on a 20, 30, or 40-year-old person's opinion of what they've learned in life. I would rather hear directly from the source of life, and that is God Almighty Himself, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, the Son of God, who has come to earth to take us on a trip that we could have life and have it more abundantly. So the minute Adam lost his connection to God, God immediately put a plan into effect to give it back to Adam. Only in fact, he's given it to you and I through his son, Jesus. So inside of us, each one of us is a tree. And we grew up with the fruit of the tree that Lucifer himself planted. Now, it's accessible to anyone through searching online, but it's still a tree growing inside of each one of us. The confidence 
of having an education, the confidence of believing what others say, what educators teach, confidence, placing confidence in that. And that has been the system on planet Earth for as long as you and I know, because that's what we grew up with. But when you accept Jesus as your Lord, that mustard seed of believing in Jesus goes gets planted within us. And the more we feed the Word in there, the stronger that tree gets, causing you to now have the Holy Spirit revelation knowledge from the Bible, the Word of God, causing you to have again be restored to full access. Just ask God, and He'll do it. Ask God, He'll give you the answer. Ask God, how do you do it? Through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, and the gift of righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. And we stop eating from the tree that gives us the good and evil. Well, we try to stop, right? But it's all around us. And are you going to stop Googling? I doubt it. But I would fact check everything you Google. How do you do that? You fact check it with the Word of God. If it does not line up with the Word of God, guess which one's wrong? Ha! It's Google. Not God's Word. He's the divine creator. And His Word never returns void. It is absolute fact, not fiction. That's how we are been made. So we want to return to the tree of life. Are you returning to the tree of life? Are you still eating out of the apple that Lucifer fed Eve and Adam? you got to choose, because once you're born again, your tree of life wants to grow, but you can't starve it. And you starve it by not putting in the Word of God. Now, God went to a lot of trouble to get this book written called the Bible. A lot of lives, a lot of years, a lot of trouble. However, we take it for granted. This book called the Bible, about Lucifer's after it. Oh, he's big time after it. He'll do anything he can to convince anyone he can that that book is nothing but a pack of lies and it needs to be taken off the market and gotten rid of. That's his biggest dream. If he can get rid of God's Word, then he himself can do it and and stop you from uh, the next step, to stop you from from intervening in, in learning His Word and using His Word. So, now what? Now what do we do? We have to make a choice. You're Adam and you're Eve. You have a choice of what you're going to feed yourself every day. Which tree are you eating from? That's what we have to choose. Pretty powerful, I'll tell you. It's, uh, it's amazing how this all plays together. Mark 5, uh, verse 1. Let's read for a while. We're going to, let's see how far we get. They went across the lake to a region, the, to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained, 
hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons. Man, it's pretty... Can you imagine you're getting out of a boat and this guy comes running up to you and he's breaking chains and ripping them off, and ripping them off his feet and his hands. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs, probably scaring people. Can you imagine if it's dark out and you happen to have to walk that way? This guy comes running out screaming. And in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, now Jesus gets out of the boat. You think Jesus knew he was there before he got there? I think so. I think he went there on purpose because he knew he was there. How did he know he was there? Because the Holy Spirit told him he was there. How did the Holy Spirit tell him how he was there? Because God told the Holy Spirit to tell Jesus. And that's how Jesus operated. He only did what he heard his father say. He only said what he heard his father say. And he only did what he said do. So I have to assume he thought that he got out of that boat knowing this man was there. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran towards him and fell on his knees in front of him. What would make him do that? Now, here's a crazy man who's cutting himself, who's screaming, ripping chains. He's so strong, but he runs up to Jesus falls on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice. Now, that must have been a shrill to hear a crazy man at the top of his voice screaming, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Is God's In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, for Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Man, this spirit was scared to death when he saw Jesus. Goes running and drops to his knees. Ha, ah, you think he recognized him from an earlier time? An earlier time in history where maybe before they came to earth, he knew who Jesus was and saw the power he had. Oh, boy. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again, please, please not to send us out in this out of the area. Don't send us out of here because we have jurisdiction here. And I'm supposed to watch this area. And if I get thrown out, I have to go back and Lucifer's going to have a, a, a fit and hurt me. You better believe he was scared. My name is Legion, he replied. We are many. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. And what do you think happened? The demons begged them, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd and 2,000 in number rushed down the steep banks into the lake and were drowned. We'll come back after this message to find out how this all happened and how we can have a part of it. We'll be right back after these messages. It's about time. 
It's about space, it's about saving the human race It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history It's about you, it's about me, it's about time If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. 2 Chronicles 7.14 WFYL reminds you to pray for America. It's about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me. It's about time. And we're back. And we were just at the point where all these demons were kicked out of a man. I just want to pause there for one second and say from the last scripture that I read where Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do for you. And um, greater things than what he did can we do. So when you come across someone who's acting crazy, Maybe they're in the streets setting fires. Maybe they are just out of control hurting people. I want you to remember this scripture. Because you, yes you, can ask Jesus to help you send that spirit out of that person. And that's something that each one of us should be keeping in mind as we watch on TV. You don't even have to be there. You can pick people on TV and just in the name of Jesus, take authority. Because if if you do it and ask Jesus to do it, what did he say? Greater things than I have done will you do. So let's go back here. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus. They begged them. Please, send us in the pigs. At least we'll be in this area. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. Okay. You have permission to do that. Now think about it. The demons couldn't do it on their own without permission from Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe the church has given permission for this world to be out of control. It is time for the church to take up its place and take back the permission. Stop being so nice and stop being and start being a son of God. It is time to take authority in the spirit, but speak it. Take authority and stop this craziness. And that's what we're called to do between now and November all the way to the end of the year. Because there will be a lot of crazy people. 
doing a lot of crazy things, even after the election. So it's time to start right now taking your place, knowing that's demon-controlled, and you have been given the right to give them. They can't do it without your permission. Get that part. So if they're doing it, it's because you're giving them permission. Take it back. They don't have permission anymore. We're revoking the permission of the demonic to wreck our country. We revoke it in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Jesus, whoever I point at, that you show me to do it, boom, that spirit will go out of them, and they will be open to receive the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. That's what I'm asking. So those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town because the, per- the, the herd, about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and drowned, which released those spirits now to still be in the same area legally to look for other people to get into. But they were no longer inside a, 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 um, a, an animal or a person. So they would have to find a willing subject and takes time to do that. For whatever reason, Jesus let them stay in that area. The herd of 2,000. Boy, it took 2,000 pigs right into the... Gone. Can you imagine? That's a lot of pigs. That that would have fed a lot of people. Those tending the pigs ran off, reported this in the town and the countryside. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that created quite a commotion. And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Oh my gosh, this guy had been threatening the entire town. These people from the town came out. They missed a big exhibition of 2,000 pigs being killed. And they, they, they just couldn't believe it. And this man, now in his right mind, cleaned up and wearing clothes. And they're sitting there going, man, what the heck? How did this happen? Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave. You would think they would say, stay and protect us. But no, now they're scared of Jesus. Who is this guy that controls 2,000 pigs? Well, it wasn't him controlling the pigs, it was the demons. But he gave the permission for the demons to go into the pigs. This was a display of power like no one in that region had ever seen. And yet, they were afraid. I'm suggesting to you and I as believers, Jesus didn't do anything improper, probably didn't raise his voice that much at all. You and I can cause this earth to shake and the demons to leave the people. We have given permission, and it's time to take it back. Satan, Lucifer, you have no authority in this earth to be in the people that are tearing America apart or the world or persecuting Christians around the world. The day has come. Your day has ended, 
And in Jesus' name, we ask Jesus to back us as we dismiss those demons, bind them, and command them to depart from those people in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm talking to you and I. We need to get in the habit of understanding who we are in Christ. Stop waiting for someone else to do what you're called to do. It's time. Will the real Christians please stand up? And Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Let me go with you, man. I can help you. Man, I'm good now. Jesus did not let him, but said, No, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell all in the town how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed, probably fearfully amazed, and thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is fixed. He's the nicest guy. And we all used to hide from him. What can we say? Are you going to pick up what Jesus has offered to us? The power to use his name? The kingdom of God is something that you and I need to use every single day. Now, Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that mean? The kingdom of God is waiting for us to use, but it suffers violence by people who are forcing you not to use it, pushing you in other directions, and you agree with them. The violent take it by force. We have to get that kingdom inside of us at all costs. We need to take it back. We can't let anyone steal the kingdom of God from us. We can't do it. Nope, we cannot do it. Hebrews 11.1 1. By faith we understand it. So now faith, now faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What kind of faith? Now faith. What kind of faith? Now faith. So you're in a circumstance. You need help. When does the faith need to be used? Now. Not tomorrow. Not the next day. Now. If you don't use now faith, that's a kind of faith, then you're not using faith. Now means now. You're in a situation. When should you use your faith? Now. How do you use your faith? You declare a thing. You decree a thing. You believe a thing. Ask Jesus for it, because that's what he said to do. And then know that it's done. Because Jesus doesn't break his word, and God doesn't break his word. But we need to know that we know that we know that Jesus wants us to have what we prayed for. Now, faith, right now, right now, you need something now. It's in the now. 
It's not in the yesterday. It's not in the tomorrow. There is no faith in that. It's right in the now. And whenever you are praying, it is now. So you must pray as if it's done. It's now faith. Well, I'll tell you. So does that mean you're going to get all this stuff and it's just going to work right away? And see, it's a process of learning and believing, isn't it? But we need to realize that we cannot hold off on this any longer. The church needs to really start to wake up and be the church. So here in Mark 6, 1 through 6, Jesus left there. Now, he just, where was he? He was, I'm going to read this back here. It was just, we were talking about coming out of a situation where he's casting all these demons out of somebody, right? And and I don't know, but it says he left there and went to his hometown. Now, you go home. Maybe you were visiting somewhere and you prayed for somebody and you saw a real miracle happen. Or they accepted Jesus, which in itself is a real miracle. But then you go back home to your family. And accompanied by his disciples, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. So you come out of a, a big rally. You come out of a big meeting. And people were healed. You saw them healed. People, miracle things happened. And the anointing was over everyone. You go back home and you start to tell them about it. And people are amazed. Where did this man get these things, they said? Man, you hear what they're talking about? Like they went to this meeting and people got healed. and Or they went to church and Man, I I don't know. They, what is the, where is this wisdom? That's how did he get this that he's been given? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? But I mean, I, do you really believe this? I mean, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the carpenter Jesus, the carpenter of Nazareth? Isn't this Mary and Joseph's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, they all used to hang together. Isn't this that guy? Where did he get this stuff from? Aren't his sisters here with us still? Don't they live here? And they took offense to him. So right away, this big meeting they had where people got healed, you come back and your family goes, you got the anointing, but they didn't, right? And they go, how do you believe this stuff. Aren't you my brother? Aren't you Joseph? I mean, Jesus, who lived with all of us? Joseph's son? That's what happens, isn't it? You go from the mountaintop to the valley if you listen to him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there. Jesus couldn't do any miracles. The same Jesus that just took all those demons out of that guy and went into 2,000 pigs and the same guy. That's right. He couldn't do any miracles except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Can you imagine? Now, you may have had that experience where you got all excited about the Word of God and turned to a relative that was sick or a friend, laid hands, 
and expected to see a miracle like you saw when you were at the big rally or the big meeting. And it didn't happen. And what you say, boy, I, I must have missed it. It must be me. Well, it's not you. It's the unbelief, unfortunately, in the family and friends. They just look at you and say, we know this guy. I see him all the time. Yeah, he's a good prayer guy or girl. And I like it when they pray. I feel better. But to heal me? I've been sick for 20 years. I mean, come on. This is the guy who sold me my life insurance. Or the guy who sold me the corn and the cob up the street. Or the, he works at the market. See what happens? It's belittled. It's lowered. It's not your fault. And you should never stop laying on hands. You should never stop praying. But don't be disappointed and think it's you when somebody doesn't believe. And uh, that in itself is amazing. So a few people that had the colds or whatever may have gotten better because Jesus prayed for them in his own town. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So Jesus called that lack of faith. So, what are we to say? Are we to stop praying? Or would you keep preaching the Word of God and go where people maybe don't know you every day and you can instill the faith of God in them? I, I vote for go where the people don't know you, as Jesus did, and preach the Gospel in a way that they do believe. And the people who do know you from birth, well, you pray that someone else goes and preaches the word to them because they don't know them and maybe they'll believe them. But it's their lack of faith is what Jesus said. Their lack of faith. There you go. Now, here in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. <clears throat> in the year that King... Uzziah died. I saw the Lord, high and exalted. This is the prophet Isaiah. Seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, with each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet. <coughs> and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips." And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Okay, now we're picturing that Isaiah saw all of the all of the um, seraphim, six wings, all holy, 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 proclaiming. Full, the earth is full of his glory. Well, remember back a couple of scriptures ago, God was glorified in his son. When you and I 
go to his son, Jesus, and ask for anything, God is glorified. Well, let's get this right. Holy, 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 the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glorification. How does that, what does that mean? That means there's going to be a whole lot of us asking Jesus for something. And Jesus is going to bring forth the miracles, and God is going to be glorified. He's got seraphim night and day proclaiming that over the earth. That's what he's got. And you and I are coming to a point in history where we're going to participate. So get ready. Fasten your seatbelt. Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. Here's Jesus. And this is what he was saying when he got up front in the synagogue to read from the scriptures. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed or gifted me a special gift, a special anointing, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now that is where we're going to finish this program. We'll never get past this. It's so powerful. Probably going to start next week's right there again. So let me read it to you and explain it as the Lord Almighty is revealing it. This, first of all, Jesus is saying, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. So if it's upon Jesus and we're in Him, it's also upon us. But He's the first one, and He came to tell us that. Because the Lord has anointed me. So the, the gift of the anointing was placed on Jesus. Now, if we're in Christ... The same anointing that was placed on him is in us, okay? To preach good tidings to the poor. What good does good tidings to the poor do? If you're poor, can't pay your bills, and you have no money, and you can't pay your bills, buy food, or do anything, what good is saying, have a nice day, be blessed, That isn't what Jesus was talking about. What's the good tidings? Hey, you don't have to be poor anymore. I'm going to deal with that on your behalf. What? That's right. What What would motivate Jesus to say to somebody, Oh, be blessed. I know you don't have anything, but we're just going to help you to get through this. No, 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 no. Good tidings to the poor is, I'm going to show you a way that you don't have to stay poor. You can get out of this, and you're going to be out of it in a twinkling of an eye. That's what he was saying. Number one. Number two, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You lost somebody, or you're hurt, somebody hurt you, you're brokenhearted. Jesus has an answer for you. We can fix this, and you will again have a new relationship with someone that will fix the old one. Jesus said, we can get that overnight for you. We'll get it overnighted by FedEx God, God's FedEx system. That's what we're going to do. 
That's what Jesus was saying. He come to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Okay, you're in jail. You messed up. Maybe you really messed up, or maybe it wasn't even anything that was a law other than a law that was made that really isn't a law. But they put you in jail for worshiping God or some other dumb thing. But Jesus said, you can get out of there. We can have miracles and the captives can be free. Or if you're under the darkness of being under the dominion of the enemy, you're going to be free of that darkness. You're going to be set free. And opening of the prisons to those who are bound, we're going to open the jails and get out the people that are bound because they're going to accept the new way of life. And that new way of life is going to get them out of prison and they'll have a happy life. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is the acceptable year of the Lord? That is the year of forgiveness. That is the year where God said all debts are forgiven. That's right. And that is exactly what Jesus came to preach. All your debts are forgiven. And the day of vengeance. Now, we didn't get to that one yet. We don't have time on this program. But God is going to bring vengeance on anyone that comes against you. That's right. And I'm going to explain how that works. You're not revenge. It's God's vengeance. There's a difference. So, we're going to pick it up on the same scripture when we come back next week. Okay? But... We're talking about you're not going to be poor. You don't have to be brokenhearted, depressed. don't have to take pills for depression. You're not going to be under captivity of someone who's leading you around with a hook in your nose. And you're not going to be bound under anything. We're going to get you out of jail, out of prison, if you want to come out to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You're going to have all your debts forgiven, every bank loan, Everything that is you have in your life is going to be gone, wiped out, just like that. And the day of vengeance. Well, that is vengeance. God's coming to fix it, and he's coming now, right now. Just like we said before, now faith, God's vengeance is now. When we come back next week, we're going to pick it up right there and move to the next whole big step and how God is going to turn this upside down for you. Have a great week, be blessed, and stay all in with the Lord. It's about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time.